If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And welcome to it. Yes, it's another edition of Grounded with me, Melanie Walker. And coming to chat to me today to find out what we should be doing in these cold and frigid winter months, we have <laughs> Carrie Goodwin from Life is a Garden. And it, you, you, the moment you walk into the studio, you tend to warm things up because <laughs> of this wonderful <laughs> energy that you put out. So trust me, if you ever want to yeah. like get the best advice you need and feel good about it at the same time, Carrie is your girl. Oh, All right, goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so what have you got coming up this month? Well, you know, I actually thought life as a garden, we were going to go into quieter times. You know, people don't think that spending time in your garden in June and July and winter is top priority. I mean, spending time outside is still a challenge, you know, with it being so cold. And yet life as a garden has a wealth of information of things that we should be doing. And even I was like, hang on a sec, I forgot to buy my mulch. So I should be creating that lovely, nice, warm blanket to protect the roots of my plants during winter now. And so I was like, oh, thank goodness we're going to be speaking about mulch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to do this afternoon is head to the garden centre so and get, get some mulch, mulch for why, my garden. Excuse me, why are you not making your own mulch? I mean, it's like some, it's for free. You can make mulch. Or do you not have enough trees in your garden? I don't have enough trees. My trees are too small and the trees that are huge are all acacias. So their leaves are tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah, so that doesn't make great mulch. But no. But so, I mean, for people who do have trees and they, they do have mm. the space and wherewithal to be able to do this, I mean, I, I get really annoyed and I think we've discussed it yes. before, where people just like rake up everything, throw it into the bin and then it goes to the trash heap. Yes. Or my favorite at the moment, and I saw it on the way here this morning, was people using the blower. So then they just. Oh, don't start. Yeah, don't get me started on leaf blowers. They should be banned. They just blow the leaves from one, from your garden to the neighbor's garden. And actually, I just, the other day, I was in the park. And I just saw all these leaves and it took me back to my childhood. And I thought, I'm going to create a leaf, you know, like when you throw it up and the leaves rain down on you. <laughs> I had such fun. I was just playing in the garden or in the park with these leaves. And yeah, it's probably better that you use them as a mulch. But oh, the important yeah. thing with leaves is to, you were telling me earlier, is to compost them. Like mm. I normally go and my favorite is to use a bark as a mulch. I like the idea that the bark will very slowly break down, so it will kind of feed my plants over time. And I didn't realize, you know, when we talk about pebbles, that's a non-living mulch. Mm. So definitely not one of my favorite, but very effective. But then the bark is also like one bag is actually only going to do one square meter. Yep. I think when you tell people that, and even me who's in the working garden centers, I'm thinking, no, that can't be true. But you need a decent layer of mulch. Mm. And it's not only for warming the plants and preventing evaporation, you know. And preventing weeds. And preventing weeds because it stops the seeds from sowing. But it's also there to... um Oh, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Completely went out the window. That's <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's just, well, one, I'm, I didn't want to put edging on my mm -hmm. garden bed. So then I said to the guys who helped me, I said, you know what? I'm going to use a mulch so that they don't keep cutting the garden bed deeper, which they were very happy with. So it was that it's decorative. Mm -hmm. So it hides the soil. Oh, that's what it brought me back to is the erosion. Yes. So, you know, in these last summer months, we've had a lot of rain and a lot of our tops 
topsoil has been lost, but it's because we have no protection of our topsoil. So even in your gardens, if you put in in a mulch, that's why you should have a thicker layer, is actually to slow down the rain so it can penetrate through the mulch and slowly into the soil. Mm. Instead of washing and everything away in yes. a mad flurry. Yeah. And I was like, that's brilliant. Because as I say, I just normally used it as my electric blanket for the plants. <laughs> that's what it's supposed <laughs> to be in the winter and for the summer is the evaporation. So Life as a Garden was teaching me lots of new things about mulch, which I thought was great. But I just take all of my leaves, pop them into one of those big black bags, put yeah. a couple of holes in the bottom, a little bit of water in there and I leave it. And then it sort of get you make your own like a leaf litter or leaf yeah. mold like you'd find in a forest. Oh, so I just stunning. I look at what nature does yes. and think, well, if nature does it that way, we can't really improve on it. Yeah, <laughs> too true. So Absolutely. do that. But then there's the thing about grass cuttings and people are saying, maybe should I put my grass cuttings into my bed? And there's two schools of thought. Some people mm. say, yeah, but it might be taking the extra nitrogen nit to break it down. Yeah, taking mm. nitrogen. And secondly, it mats too much. So then the mortar might not be able to penetrate as well and it gets sodden. Yes. And then you kind of can get a fungus buildup yeah. or that type of so thing. So I'd say put it into your compost heap. Yes. I would always go grass cuttings in the compost heap first and then later on when it's nice compost, you know, because even if you weren't going to use bark or there's so many different nutshells that you can use as yeah. well now, like peanut nutshells, macadamia nutshells. We used to use peach pips as well. <laughs> Every now and again, you'd get, they weren't broken down completely and, and then you'd a have a tree peach, growing. <laughs> peach pip growing in your thing. But yeah, if you put it in the compost heap first mm. before you put it on, um, as earth with a compost is people just use ordinary compost as well as a mulch. Yeah, going nice into the winter. of it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really a good thing to do in the winter. And it's also what I like with mulching, mm -hmm. especially in the winter, is a lot of our acid flowering plants, you know, that bark breaks down to an acid sort of a base. And so you kind well, of depending on the one in, that you get. Yeah. yeah. But you're often feeding your plants as well, which is quite nice because, you know, you don't feed your plants a lot in winter. We don't really we fertilize don't to. too much. No. You want them to go to sleep. And I think the concept of, you know, we, I was chatting to my staff about plants sleeping. It's a challenging one because we've all created microclimates in our smaller gardens. And I don't think people want their plants to go to sleep. They're like, even a, a friend of mine, she bought me one of her bulbs yesterday mm. and she says, you know, it's just disappeared. The plant that was here, my husband gave it to me for a birthday <laughs> and now there's no plant. What's going to happen? It's sleeping. I said, it's going to come back. She's like, no, no, you must take it and fix it. I'm like, well, okay, I'll put it in my car and put it in, you know, go and put it in my garden and leave it for a few months and it will come back. This is what we're but, for, to educate people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think sleeping is a really important mm. part for plants. You know, there are plants that are now looking amazing mm. and don't need to be sleeping in winter. But things like our grass sort of needs to go to sleep. Yeah, especially the yeah. runners. They need <laughs> yes. to go dormant, stop watering them. I know yeah. we talk about that all the time. But mm. um, an another thing which I found quite interesting is that people say, oh, if you want to make your soil acidic, then you must use like pine needles. Okay. Yeah. To try and make your soil mm. acidic. The only thing is, the only time that the pine needles are actually still acidic is when they're still fresh and green and just off the tree. <laughs> the moment that they've gone brown, there's no more acidity in them. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's, there's certain fallacies that, you know, people put out there as like, yeah, this is the way to do things. But in fact, they are myths. <laughs> too true. We could be mythbusters too here. Mm. So, but the other one that's not a myth and it is a way to make your soil more acidic is to share your coffee granules and your tea with 
your plants. Yeah. And actually, I always do that with my outdoor plants. So I have my copy granules and I scatter them all over the garden outside. And then I read that actually putting my tea, like if I have leftover tea or the tea bags, I can open on my indoor plants. Mm. And then Life as a Garden said, you know, actually you can use your coffee granules on your indoor plants as well and it will help them. And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, I have to start drinking a whole lot more coffee and I drink well, a lot for already. <laughs> well, I drink hot chocolate, so that's not going to help anything no. at all. <laughs> well, so I don't you, think the plants like sugar like we do. <laughs> yeah. but you don't, I mean, you don't really need to mulch your indoor plants, do you? I mean, I suppose to a certain extent you might want to put something, especially just for decorative purposes. I think it's sometimes more for decoration than mm. for anything else, but it's just also the the soil. You know, with your indoor plants, you have to... No, they also some of them are going to sleep now, so it's an ideal plant time to repot them. If and I did that, <laughs> I was saying to you, I have so many, but I took them outside because I wanted a change, and. I'm supposed to be repotting them, but they're just sitting outside on the patio. And I'm thinking, okay, when am I going to repot these indoor plants? You probably plants? won't. So just bring them back inside. Don't be a bad plant parent. It's too cold for them outside. They need, I mean, the majority of indoor plants, yes. they all need exactly the same conditions because the majority of indoor plants come from the same kind of areas. Yes, nice, humid, humid and, warm, and warm areas. So you don't yeah. want to go below 10 degrees. No. If you leave your little plants outside at night at the moment, it's going well <laughs> below. They're going to just sit there and go, no, and freck. Okay. No, they, they, I, I checked on them yesterday. They're mm-hmm. still alive and this afternoon is mulching and repotting. Life as a Garden has reminded me <laughs> that I must be focusing on my indoor and outdoor plants a little bit more than I've been focusing yeah. on them. You know, I was focusing on the flowering plants in my garden <laughs> and I maybe need to look at some of the green ones. Mm. And that actually brings me back to with the indoor plants is the trend is to really nice leafy green plants. Yes. You know, I used to think a few years ago, it was all indoor flowering plants. And obviously indoor flowering plants always have their place. You know, we sold yeah, lots of cyclamen and, and, and begonias and, yeah. and African violets. All of those did so well for Mother's Day. So mm. thank you to all our customers who helped <laughs> us with that. It was amazing. But and there's nothing like a green leafy plant in terms of health within your home. Mm. And that's what I actually really loved. So I have lots of Hoyas. You know, I didn't actually know they're my favorite plant and it's really making quite a comeback now. And I'm going to say its name around is Aglomina, Aglomina, um, Chinese evergreen. Okay. And originally when you used to get them, they just used to be like a, the green, and they're very low key. They look beautiful, low maintenance, you know, beginner level plant but now you have them and they're called red gold and sapphire dust and they're just beautiful so you can get your color in the foliage and they're still low maintenance and pet friendly which is also quite a bonus for indoor plants because some of your indoor plants are not so pet friendly so just be aware of them or put them in a place where your pets can't get to them but I thought that was quite a nice one and then another beginner indoor plant is your zamicolias they call it the ZZ plant. I oh, think yes, of yes. <laughs> ZZ like is ZZ tomatoes, but this is the ZZ plant. Really easy and to look after. And, and very difficult to kill. Yes. And there's a beautiful new black one that you can get around. It does revert to green, but it's yeah. got black foliage. And then every now and again, when it reverts, you get this green with the black. It's pretty gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So these were the low maintenance ones. You know, the other one, which... I think, you know, people think indoor, outdoor plants. So you've got your chlorophytum, the spider lid yes. plant. Or we had a customer the other day who th- I think when I Googled it, she was looking for an octopus plant. And the only thing that came close was the hen and chicken. So I said, well, maybe it's a hen and chicken. 
So I've never heard anything called an octopus plant. No, That's I know, weird. but maybe if somebody else knows what an octopus plant is, please let us know. We would yeah. love. I'm going with hen and chicken at the moment. Okay, but that makes a really beneficial indoor plant, easy, low maintenance. Then the other ones that they were talking about, which you know everyone. I think we all grew up with them, then they went out of fashion, and now they're very much back in fashion again, is the Monstera. I've just found one on... on no, it can't like, be that. It's a, it's a, a succulent. No, it's a, that's um, a carnivorous an, plant. Yes, that's a carnivorous a plant, yes. No, I don't... That's a, do that's like I said, it's an octopus plant, yeah. But I mean... All right, you can you let us know. <laughs> They've got an octopus tree, which looks like one of the rain tree type things. Oh, that's a Schaeflera. Yes. Yes. Also a very nice plant that's making a bit of a comeback. Yes. Nice low maintenance, Maybe that's what easy it is. to look after. Now you know. Yes. <laughs> Google sometimes is your friend. <laughs> if you know how to use it, obviously. <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, so, I've got teenagers and it is yeah. very much, I mean, I, th- I think being pushed forward by TikTok and by Instagram yes. and all these beautiful pictures of all these plant parents. And because they don't have gardens, they bring their garden indoors and they've yeah. got all of these hundreds of plants and everything. And they've become huge sellers, indoor plants again. Yes. Well, the one, I mean, Life as a Garden was saying that it's got the, uh, the Pellier, Pellier peperoides. It's, it's a gorgeous plant, like round leaves. They almost, it's another name is the pancake plant. Mm-hmm. And so it really is beautiful. And they said it's got its own Instagram page and not only one Instagram page, but like two or three Instagram pages on this plant. I was going to say, I, I bought into that trend. I might not be <laughs> quite so young anymore, but it just, they are addictive. When mm. you have these plants in your house, they do, now it doesn't sound like I'm caring for them, but they do become, you just love them. Well, you know, look, when I was a teenager and in my 20s, I had lots of plants in my room and everything as well. And I was like very happy. But then you get to the stage where other things take over and looking after kids and looking after pets. You don't have time to look after the plants as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, if you're young and free and easy and or you don't have anybody else to look after, <laughs> then get those. Goodness, I'm thinking my indoor plants are coming back inside very quickly. <laughs> I better become that responsible parent. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, basically, so, they, if you treat them all the same, especially now going into winter, you want to reduce your watering regime with yes, them. Yes, please watch out and, for that. And that some of them need to go into their sleep mode, as you said. Yeah. So we don't want to be feeding them, oh, it's looking, it's not growing as fast, and then give it lots of food. Mm-mm. It's not going to do it any good. Yeah. Okay. And also, the most important thing when it comes to your indoor plants is water, be it in the form of... Um, Humidity and how much you give it. So those yeah. two different things. So those really, are really important. Most importantly, and yeah. make sure that most of them don't sit in any sunlight. Yes, they can indirect light. Sun, indirect light, but yeah. So mm. I mean, it's pretty easy to look after them, and then just wipe down their leaves to get the dust off. Especially if you've got heaters on. Yes. Or if you're living, you know, we don't have rain in Johannesburg, so of course it gets very dusty, and then they get very unhappy. So give them some leaf shine. Mm. Yes, go into your local garden center. There's quite a variety of yes. different ones that you can use. And then pop them and underneath the shower like once a month and give them a little bath. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm, as I said, I'm loving my indoor plants. And then every now and again, I buy into that Instagram and I think, okay, I'm a plant person. Let me see which are the harder ones to look after. I'm sure I can look after them. And there's some beautiful, because they're not as popular or they're trendy because they're rare. So you get the Calathea leopard, mm. uh, which has just come out now again. And you should be able to find it quite easily. Then there's the watermelon peperomia as well. Beautiful one. And the peperomia is actually quite easy to look after compared to a Calathea. Mm. But um, 
they're a little bit harder to find. And then the one that I haven't managed to find yet, and I'm keeping my eyes open because we used to have them, was the variegated Monstera. Yeah. So there's a whole know, bunch of different Monsteras yes. and philodendrons coming out at the moment, the big leaf plants. Yeah. Yes. And some of them are so inspiring. Like, I mean, I read about them and I think, oh, I could have this. And then I go and look at the plant and the one is um, the philodendron horsehead. Yes. So it's got the shape of a horsehead. And then they've got the philodendron, which is a miniature one. So it's smaller and doesn't take over like mm. the bigger ones used to. And then, you know, you've got, there's just so many, like the, they call them, I always say the wrong thing because I know their proper names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the philodendron scandens, which I think now the Instagram is called Pothos. Per- Pothos, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just keep the right names because you confuse us older people. Yeah. <laughs> but with those, you've got like the variegated mm. and oh, there's just, it's a wealth of, you know, when you're going starting with indoor plants, there's just so much information out there. And I think one of the things you should look at is start with an easy plant. Don't go and buy a variegated spathophyllum mm. and then think, Sure. How am I going to make this look good? Because you keep looking at it and thinking, you know, you're not looking your best, but it's a difficult plant to look after. Just get an ordinary spathophyllum because that will also tell you when it needs watering. Yes. Although I thought the lovely thing and I read it is, was that you should maybe get a moisture meter. If you're not a hundred percent sure and we grew up with, you use the finger test, you know, put your finger in the soil and that can tell you. But maybe some people don't like getting their fingers dirty. So if you're not liking to get your fingers dirty and you're more of a bit of a technological or a gimmicky person, maybe that's the wrong word to use. No, gimmicky is then, good. Yeah. <laughs> then a moisture meter actually will help you. Or if you're in an office, mm. you know, because I think a lot of people, they give the office plants too much water because the one person thinks they haven't watered yeah, it and, and the next one doesn't. Water, yeah. So, you know, if you have a lot of office plants or indoor plants in your office, maybe get the office a moisture meter so that somebody can just go around and check if the plants need water. So yeah, I think there's lots. And then the other thing that I just loved with indoor plants is you're supposed to have the right watering can, not your five-liter watering can from outside or your cup, which you've had your tea and coffee in, and then you go and use it to water your plants, which is what I do. <laughs> yeah. Your indoor plants have a trendy, fashionable watering can with a long thin spout that can reach into them without oh, damaging the leaves. I've got a plastic one which I've had for years and years and years and, and we use that all the time. Yes. Yes. Well, actually, I think if you don't go for the trendy met- metal ones that are lovely and available at the moment is a lot of people use the kiddies watering cans. Yes. That is ideal. Those little you ones know, with two- the little spout on the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've got one of those as well. 250 mils. Yeah. Take that and water your indoor plants with that because as you were saying, they need... At this time of the year, most of your indoor plants, if you're watering them once every 10 days and with, I wouldn't have even said 50 to 100 mils of yeah. water, that would have been a lot. You so, don't um, want them to get root rot and, and oh, it no. can do it this time, especially if it's a bit chilly. Yes. Well, and that's what the, you know, Life is a Garden this year is working on botanical bosses. So the lady who gave us all our information for the indoor plants, she was saying it's easy to rectify a plant that's drying out. Cause, mm. And the indoor plants tell you, you know, they go brown on the tips of their leaves. Mm. But when you're overwatering it, they also tell you, but then you think it can't be possible. How am I <laughs> overwatering my plant? And so you actually kill it and you can't rectify a rough. A retrot. That's yeah. over, you know. Then, yeah. well, thank goodness you come into the garden centers and buy a new one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But then indoor plants, one of the things we were discussing just before we started recording mm. was that we, we talked about vertical gardening 
Mm. And like, oh, it must have been 12, 12 years ago when it became like this big trend. Yes. And everybody said, ah, oh, it's just a fad. It's not going to last. But it's still happening. And you were talking about Very offices. Much. And I've seen mm. it mostly in kind of, even in a hospital um, where they've done it up the wall. So the whole mm. wall is a living oh, wall. That gives me goosebumps. How amazing is that? Because I think the benefits of indoor plants, just they, you know, they get rid of all your chemical formaldehydes, your benzenes, they purify the air for people, they get rid of the dust. So within hospitals and offices, they're creating such a good, healthy environment for people to work. They improve productivity. Mm. They help, they decrease the amount of sickness within the office, especially if you're in an office where there's a lot of people who've got asthma and flu and maybe it's, you know, in Europe, an industrial area or there's a lot of pollution. Mm. Your indoor plants help with that. So by creating a living wall, and I think 12 years on, we've actually got the the mechanisms of doing the walls. Because I always used to think, flip, that's a lot of hard work. And when you spoke to people, they seemed like they were difficult to do. I mean, I know we had a customer about three or four years ago, and they were going to create a living wall in their lounge. And I just looked at them with big eyes and I was like, have you done your research? Yeah, it, and look, it's, there's been so many different ways of doing it over the years. I mean, we did mm. it the hard way right in the very beginning <laughs> because there weren't any of those things that you can attach to your wall and plant into at that stage. Yes. So we did it with, with bidum and all kinds of textiles, you know, the, the, yes. oh, and like making pockets and putting up chicken wire and the right kind of soil and then like working with which plants would work in that dynamic and yeah. are going to like stay compact rather than looking all scraggly after a while. And it was trial and error to begin with, but I think yes. they've made it a lot a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, our botanical boss from that, he grows plants specifically for living walls and for offices. And they just, he, he made it so, like, if you do your planning and your design properly, your living wall can be incredible. And I know he always puts up a living wall for our shows and when you go into his offices, it just... They've used lovely plants that stay small. So again, it's maybe things like your ferns and your peperomias for inside. Mm. Low maintenance, not a lot of water plant needed, misting, that type of thing. So they're easy plants that you can use. And then if you're going for outdoors, like I know I've got a living wall outdoors mm. and I've used all my succulents. So in a nice hot, sunny place, I've put my succulents in. And then if they start growing a bit long, luckily you can just break them off. Yes. So the living wall will always look good, whether it be indoors or outdoors. So I quite like the, I think I might have renewed faith in living walls again. No, I like them. So, and also if you've got like a gate and you can hang little terracotta pots with oh, the thing gorgeous. off of it and then plant that up if it's like a bit of an unsightly gate. Yes. One of the things that Life as a Garden also mentioned, which was a bit about fertilizers. Mm. But in winter, we don't tend to feed too much. And we spoke about it a little bit earlier. But one of the things that's nice to feed with in winter is more your liquid fertilizers. And I always think of liquid fertilizers as Red Bull for the prawns. <laughs> that's how, when I speak into customers, you know, it's um, a fast acting, mm. you kind of spread on almost like an intravenous strip that you're going to give to the plants. They look good quickly. Mm. And so that would generally be, unless you were using organic natural fertilizers for planting like your bone meals and you know volcanic rock dusts and those sort of things bull's blood (laughs) (laughs) weird and wonderful things then um those are the fertilizers that you would tend to use in winter in preparation for spring although they were saying and i know you forget about that is to actually when you fertilize in your bulbs Mm. you know don't forget that your bulbs are actually actively growing now and the bulbs had such a good season. So if you want them to flower beautiful, don't forget to water them 
properly and give them yes. some extra food. Four times so, a week for 40 minutes and don't forget. Yes, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it is a lot. But, um, but it's worth it. Yeah, uh, there's no point in buying bulbs and planting them. Not then actually, I mean, the amount of times we have people going, oh, but it's not growing. I'm like, well, have you been doing this? No. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, how do you expect it to work then? Yes, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. So I think with that, you know, and that's what Life as a Garden was saying is when you're using liquid fertilizers, you want to use it on the plants that are using the amount, highest amount of energy at the mm. time. So they're either producing fruit or they're trying to flower. So that's when you kind of use them as that boost. You know, it's like when we're trying to perform at our best, then you mm. take whatever it be, your your preference of stimulant, whether yeah. it be coffee, Coca-Cola, <laughs> whatever it might be. And so that's what I think of liquid fertilizers. Yeah. Whereas your other, your granular fertilizers are long-term, whether it be organic or inorganic. You know, they you're going to give them when your plant is establish in itself and then to boost certain things mm. come springtime and there is a, you know a trend towards organic which is obviously using more of a f- plant-based or animal-based products to, to yeah multi-kelp yeah it's a beautiful one. Oh, talking about that mm-hmm. something i found out the other day kelp farming we should be doing a lot more of that because do you know that kelp yeah. itself sequestrates carbon five times more efficiently than a speckworm what yeah that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be great. And yeah. we've got so much coastline on which to be able to grow our kelp. Yeah. I think we should investigate. And, and make we, can turn, we can turn it into <laughs> food for plants as well Yeah, at and, the same time. And food for us. Isn't kelp extra healthy for us too? Oh, it depends on, it depends on the kelp. Oh, okay. I mean, there's some like seaweed <laughs> you can eat and some seaweed I would suggest not eating. It, to me, it sounds like kale. Kale, kelp, they kind of end up in the same category. Do yeah. not eat. People People keep on trying to convince me that kale is so good. I'm like, yeah, you can have the ornamental variety and keep it in the garden. Beautiful at this time of the year, yeah. actually. Yeah. Oh, that makes me think of another plant that I have to put in my garden. Oh. Makes me so excited. But the one thing as well with gardening and is for Father's Day is around the corner. Yes. And I think some of the... And it gets difficult to like, you don't want to buy underpants or handkerchiefs <laughs> like we used to do when we were kids. Socks. You know, it was buddy, buddy dust um, bath bubbles for mother for Mother's Day and socks yeah. for dad for, for my Father's Day. Yeah. So Life as a Garden has such a fabulous idea. It's almost creating a wooden box or a window box. Mm-hmm. And then inside it, you put in three different containers and they could be pot holders or pot covers. And in the one is a, like a pot that you're going to use for him to put his drinks in, mm-hmm. you know, so whether it be his coffee in the morning or maybe something else in the evening. And in the middle pot, he's going to put a plant. So you could get something like a Sansevieria if you're going to put it outside next to his favorite chair, or if you're even going to put it in his office, you know, a Sansevieria, mother-in-law's tongue is a great indoor and outdoor plant. Mm-hmm. So you could put it in his office or maybe you want to like the pothos we were talking about earlier to get a, something hanging if it's going to be inside in his office or because so many dads are working from home at the moment as well. Or next but, to his chair while he's watching TV. Yes. Helps with the radiation from the TV. <laughs> so you have a, the middle pot has the plant in it and then the next one has the snack. So whether it be the biltong or the peanuts, in my dad's case, it's going to be the wine gums, <laughs> so, you know, and I thought that is a lovely idea. Three pots. It could even be three tins, mm-hmm. you know, that you paint or decorate or cover with wool or something like that, but maybe it pots are nicer. Put them in a little bit of a crate and then create what what's best for your dad. So you know, each person's going to have a different one, what they like, the plants that they think their dads will like. You know, the one was a spathifilum. Maybe your dad is a peacekeeper in the family, and so you want to put a spathifilum in it mm-hmm. because he keeps the peace. 
What a lovely and, idea. Yeah, so I, nice. I really did think that. I think that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully my dad's not listening at the moment because otherwise he knows what's coming for Father's Day. Well, I'm sure he'll <laughs> still appreciate it even if he does hear yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that, and it's a very true thing, is winter we think that the pests are going to get less. But the one pest that's not getting less, and it seems to be quite prevalent at the moment on weird and wonderful plants, is scale. Yeah, and that's for indoor and outdoor plants. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it it almost, when you first look at it, I always think, oh, it looks like a little bit of a node on the plant. It looks mm. like that little brown bump. It could be brown. Some of them are dark, a little bit black. Mm. They look like they're doing no harm because they just form a little bump there, and then there's another bump, and then almost like we would have chicken pox type mm. of thing. Mm. And... But crusty actually, deposits. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's it's formed that scale and it's actually an insect. So I think first when people see it, then they think, oh, there's nothing wrong and I can. But that insect that's got that outer layer that's protecting it is actually busy sucking all the good nutrients from your plant. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is the scale is taking all the nutrients. Then it secretes a little bit of a substance, sticky substance, which then can attract a sooty mold similar to what aphids do. Mm -hmm. So then your leaves start going black. So then you think that it's mold and you don't treat the scale, you treat the fungus. So I think as soon as you start seeing things that are not normal on your plant. Anything that doesn't look like it should be there. Yeah. And what for me, and I always tell the customers, which is challenging with scale, is that even once you've killed it, so it might not be sucking the insect, sucking any of the juices anymore. It doesn't fall off the plant. It's not like an aphid that once you've killed it, it falls off the plant and your stem all looks lovely. And it still has that black bump and you either have to take a high pressure hose if it's an outdoor plant or a cloth or something to wipe the scale mm. off the leaves. I mean, they die very easily, but they just still sit on the plant there. And so that's what you have to be aware of with scale. And, you know, just keep your eyes on it because they seem to go for it. Originally, it was woody plants. You know, you would mm-hmm. find them outdoors on your woody plants. Now, as you say, you find them indoors. They're just everywhere. And I think the healthier you can keep your plants, the less chance it's going to get susceptible to pests. Yeah. So that's always keep the route to go for. But otherwise, if it's not healthy, you know, yeah. then look out for pests on your plants. Give your plant and help. Vegetables. <laughs> yeah. use, the, use the same thing for yourself. Keep yourself healthy. Eat vegetables. <laughs> Carrie's just like, nah, that's not going to happen. I'm liking that coffee granules. <laughs> when my indoor plants, my, my one indoor plant, and it's a flowering one, so we didn't really speak about it too much, but I almost think every household should have it, is the anthuriums. Yes. Because they last forever. They're really difficult to kill. And they always just look amazing. But sometimes they stop flowering. Mm. And so um, it's often a light thing, which we didn't mention too much about. We said, you know, don't put your plants in Mm. indirect light. But if your indoor plants are not looking good, move them to a different light. And also turn them around. Get, that's what rotating. the yes, that's what yeah. the botanical boss said. I was like, oh, so why she is? <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's all kind of stuff that we we sh- we sh- you know we do need, we need you, these things. <laughs> you think so? You know you do, and then you just I think sometimes we forget. You focus on other things, and life is so busy that then you think, oh, have I turned my indoor plant around today, or have I not? Or so do the hokey cokey with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put it in, put it out, take it out, turn it all around about. There <laughs> <Right>, we go. <laughs> and I started sharing my black tea with my anthuriums. Yeah. And I can't believe how they're actually flowering now. So much mm. better. Rooibos is also good and you can also looks good as a mulch. <laughs> that would be the 
only thing that would be getting Roy Boyce in my house. <laughs> I tend <laughs> to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's also a really good thing is to, like we spoke earlier, share yeah. your coffee granules and maybe your tea with your indoor and outdoor plants. Fantastic. All right. So mm. if anybody has missed any of this or wants to get uh, a little bit more information, don't forget, of course, you can get onto lifeisagarden.co.za. Yes. And if you have any questions, you can also just email whatever questions you have and I'll be the person who'll give you an answer to your questions about whatever it is that you need to know about in the garden. And I think that's that people shouldn't be scared to ask, ask questions. Yeah. Like as I say with my friend and the bulb, I just thought that is so um it's going down, it's gone dormant. Yeah. And it she's so scared that she's killed it. And I think even though she knows that I work in the industry, she still doesn't believe me. So then write to life as a garden and get, you know, yep. good opinions. You'll get my opinion because too. <laughs> it's, it's good to bounce ideas of other people. And when you're trying to do that living wall, life as a garden has lots of experts who can help you. And indoor plants are challenging. So, you know, write to them yeah. again. I just think if you have questions, there's no harm in asking for help. I, I get, I get so frustrated with people who turn around and say, I'm going to ask you a question. I think it's probably a stupid question. I said, no, no question is a stupid no. question if you don't know what the answer is. Yeah. So just ask. Carrie, yeah. thank you so very, very much. Oh, it's lovely to see you. Too. And, of course, we'll catch up with you again next month. Yes, for and sure. Everybody <laughs> else, get out there. Enjoy your gardens, especially the sunlight. Or if you don't have a garden and you're doing indoor plants, enjoy them too. Look after them. Be good people. And above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook. Facebook.